Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal son and at the end, um, the father, when the son returns, the father says to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring here the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to be merry. I don't know what a party looks like in heaven, but I do know that the greatest of parties on earth is insignificant in comparison to the party that goes on. This is talking about when someone returns to God, the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter returns to God. It's, it's giving a picture of the celebration that the father throws. God's entire investment in humanity, his one singular mission for humanity is the, as many people being reconciled with Jesus as he can this side of eternity. That's it. That's his, if you are blessed in the process, well, that's great. And if I'm blessed, that's great. If anything else happens, God bless us and God walks with us. But what he really wants to do is he wants to see people come to faith in his son, that none would perish, but that all would live and all would have eternal life. And so I, I, I don't know what you're like. We're going to skip a video, but I love delivering big news. Bronze says, Darren, you like to be Santa. If there's good news, I want to deliver it. And I have to temper myself to let other people. And when I was younger, I'd deliver it too early. And then that, that just causes own problems. And, and but I love to deliver good news and I love to deliver big news. Anybody else like that? And when you think about that, when I propose to Bron, you know, who do we ring first? Well, you fellas, you ring your mother after you ring your mother-in-law. That's how it works. That's big news. Mother-in-law first and mother, young men. That's how it works. No one else matters. If you don't get that right, you're in trouble before you begin. So big news. And so in John 11, um, John 11 chapter 11 verses 23 to 27, the Bible's talking about um, Martha. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's on the screen, isn't it? Awesome. Jesus said to her, speaking to mother, Martha, your brother will rise again. We'll just read on through this. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then Martha says, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who, is to come into, who has come into the world. If you're like some of you, like me, this is what we believe. We believe that Jesus has come into the world that he will, that everyone will die, everyone will be resurrected from this life into the next. My mum passed away in July 2008 and, and she now sits outside of time. I don't know if you've ever been under a general anaesthetic. It's the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life and I've done it multiple times. But a general anaesthetic, you take the gas, you go out and it's like time disappears and then you suddenly wake up. And I think, personally, I think that's how it will be at the resurrection. My mum passed away, she's now outside of time, and, and like that, like there was no time in between, just like a general anaesthetic, she will awake to the resurrected life. Uh, that's a big thought, right? That's a big idea. When you think about um, getting married or you have a baby or whatever, you're going, who do we tell first, man? When it comes to Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what's to come, 
There's a great question that all of us who believe should be asking, who do I need to tell first? And yet the reality is that many of us, me included at various times, struggle with that conversation. It's a bit crazy when you think about it, isn't it? That we would struggle with that conversation, given what's at stake, given that you and I are the hinge factor maybe in uh, someone's story. And so Jesus sort of sets this up and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone will die, but everyone will be resurrected. And when we're resurrected, you know, you'll never die again. And, and so this is a big story and this is what we're here for. Our lives have been internally, fundamentally and eternally changed and shaped by who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Now, it's a big story. A survey in the UK found this. 82% of um, British citizens said they would go to an Easter service if invited. And the survey discovered that 2% of Christians were willing to invite someone to the Easter service. 82% of people said they would go. Now, you might be sitting there going, Darren, it's not 82%. Let's forget about what the percentage is. Let's halve it. Let's say they got the survey so incorrect that it was 41%. Still a lot of people saying they'll go. 2% of Christians saying they'll invite. And so I'm thinking about this, thinking this is a crazy scenario. Here we are with the biggest bit of news that will ever be in your life, in my life. And yet, you know, even in me at times and in you, I'm sure, um, there's a hesitancy. And so I just want to help us with this. Think about this. I've read this quote before and then the one after it, I haven't. I love, think about who it is we represent. Think about who it is we're inviting to. Napoleon says, I know men and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, and myself founded empires. But what foundation did we rest? Uh, did we rest the creations of our genius? Sorry? Upon force. But Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men and women would die. He says men, but men and women would die for him. In fact, they are this very day in India, right? Just one spot around the world. This is like he is. And even if you don't know Jesus, I feel like people I talk to get that there's no one like Jesus. Not before, not, besent, not since. We can try and reduce him, but he's bigger than that. He is no mere man. I love what Albert Einstein said. He said, I'm a Jew, but I'm enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen or phrase mongers, however artful. He further added, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Isn't it true? And so I want us to think about this today as we come to Christmas. This is not about a Christmas invitation. I'm, I'm not trying to set you up. The end of this message is not so you'll invite to Christmas Eve, though I think that is a brilliant idea. The, the end of this message is that we would... We would see, we would find our voice, I've put it here. Just find our voice in talking about Jesus just a little bit more. And I'm going to give you the simplest way I know for us to get this done. And it's so simple and it's so profound and it takes off all the pressure for those who would feel pressure around it. But we've just, you know, come to the place where I go, if Jesus is who he says he is and if Jesus did what he said he did and if the future is how he says it will be, the most important thing any believer on the planet can do is tell someone about him. Literally what we're talking about today is just introducing them to Jesus. Make an introduction. 
Because at the moment, have you ever had someone, I remember in under-15s rugby league, there was a guy called Thad Stewart. I hope Thad's listening to the podcast. Thad Stewart was a beast of a teenager. And I was always the, uh, what would you say, the focus of attention on the opposition team. And I was playing against Thad Stewart and his mates, the Campbelltown Warriors. The name sounds fearsome, doesn't it? The Campbelltown Warriors. We thought they were rich kids because they lived in houses that their parents owned, but that's another story. And Thad Stewart, <clears throat> Thad Stewart would, every time I played him, he would just, I knew it was coming. He would find his place in the line and somewhere across the game, normally multiple times, he would forget about everything else and his job was to absolutely just run at me and wait for the moment where I hurt the ball and hurt me as much as he could. And he was very good at it, actually. <laughs> very good. Well, in under-15s, my team folded and their team approached me. It was my first football contract. They said, Darren, if you play for us, we'll buy all your gear. I thought I was a big deal. I thought, man, they're offering me all my gear if I play. So I went and played for them. Their team was undefeated. I played for them. Now they were going to win their first competition. We lost the first three games that I arrived. We won one and then we lost the fifth and that was the end of the season. And who do you think they blamed? <laughs> but, what, but what I discovered about Thad Stewart was he was a great guy. He was a champion kid. But when all I knew about him was the... Uh, the hug at speed. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of Thad. But once I was introduced to Thad at training. And after we'd eyeballed each other a few times, which was silly because I knew deep down he could beat me up, but I was trying to hold him off. But once we did that, I, for the rest of my adult life where we crossed over, he and I were great mates. I think a lot of people have heard about Jesus a bit like Thad Stewart. And if we could just introduce them to him at some level, it'd just be a game changer for people who currently don't know anything except what the media says and what the haters would communicate. And so we come to this passage, and I want to give you the simplest thing in the world. You can do this. I can do this. Again, uh, John chapter 1 and from verse 35. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, looking upon Jesus, he walked. As he walked, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Well, we won't go into the... They understood immediately what that meant. The two disciples um, heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I don't know. What are you going to say to that? I'm not telling you where I'm staying at that point. Jesus said to them, come and see. Come and see. So they came and saw where he stayed and remained with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. Um, one, who, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. I mean, again, we haven't got time to go there, which means the Christ. And then he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter or Cephas. The next day, Jesus went to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Beth uh, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, as well as the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I like that. He's pushing back 
against who Jesus is. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said concerning him, here is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Here's what I want to give us today. Jesus has Andrew and someone else come to him and he says, hey, come and see. And by the time the day was out, Andrew's gone to his brother, Peter, Cephas, and said, hey, Peter, come and see. And a day after that, Philip has gone to Nathaniel and he said, hey, come and see. And before too many days were over, Jesus has won Andrew as his disciple. Andrew has brought Peter, who has now become a disciple, and Philip has reached out to Nathaniel, and we're not sure what happened, but something supernatural went on, and it all came just by doing what? Come and see. Come and see. Doesn't that just take all the pressure out of it? It does for me. Come and see. Here's what I want you to think about is that a come and see invitation from you, from me, can literally be the game changer for someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. In fact, there's people all over this room and that is their story. And so come and see. Here's some thoughts. Here's why your come and see has more power than I think we realize. Number one, uh, proximity. Everything that follows in this account here that we see in John flows out of someone's proximity to somebody else. Philip, sorry, um, Andrew with Peter. The, the proximity of the relationship gave him a platform to say, you know, this wasn't the first time someone had said, I've met the Messiah, I've seen the Christ. But, but who Andrew was opened Peter's heart to come. The, just the proximity, just the relationship allowed that. When Philip goes to Nathaniel, Nathaniel actually, you know, makes a pretty, well, they understood as a big statement, what good can come out of Galilee and and Philip just sort of doesn't even argue with him. I love that. He just says, well, come and see. Doesn't even push back. Oh, Darren, how do you know there's a seven-day creation? Come and see. Darren, how do, you, how do you prove that Jesus rode from the dead? Well, there's lots of historical fact, but come and see. You and I just extending to people, maybe someone in this room's already, there would be people in a day like this, who are just here. It's just come and see. And something can go on in our come and see, like went on in this um, passage of scripture in this account from history so where do you have effective proximity with people because here's my thought I remember my brother saying this to me years ago he said Darren you've already got so much credibility with so many people he wasn't trying to build up my confidence he was trying to make me see something that you could ask a whole bunch of people about Jesus or to your house or church tomorrow you don't need to do any more work there's enough in your proximity over the years to people that there are a whole bunch of people that are already in your world. Where do, where do you have effective proximity with someone because of the way you live your faith? I just spotted Matt Keys. Who's going re, to refuse Matt Keys saying, come and see? Would you, Joe Stace? I wouldn't either. Come and see. You're going to be open to that just because of who Matt is. These guys were open to it, not because, well, obviously God was working, but, but not because they, they hadn't even met Jesus. They'd only met Peter. They'd only met Philip. 
But that was enough. Their proximity to those guys was enough for them to go, yeah, okay, I'm open to that because of what I see in you. And where do you? There are, there are people and places that you have leverage with. And, and let me be clear, it's not about me feeling better because I invited someone or, or brought someone into my world. It's not about that. It's about them. It's about the person on the end of this. In fact, the problem is, for most, most Christians, I think the problem is actually that, that we get too concerned with us, isn't it? That's actually most of the issue, is that I'm worried what someone's going to think. I'm worried about the rejection of their no. So this isn't about making anyone feel better. This is about the person on the end of this, because in your world and mine, in close proximity, where you've built relationships, in your world and mine, are people like Philip, like Peter, like Andrew, like Nathaniel, who don't yet know Jesus. And you go, but Darren, I can't answer all their questions. He didn't even answer Nathaniel's question. All he needed was come and see He knew if he got him close enough to Jesus that there was a chance that something would shift. And you and I have that sort of proximity with people. Here's the next one. Your and my, our proximity um, creates credibility or it has created credibility. Andrew has credibility with Peter. Philip had credibility with Nathaniel. We don't know how it worked, but we know that he did. And you and I, you know, uh, those of you who live with a sincere faith, you have credibility with some people. Your faith has credibility with them. Um, the way you live, the way you speak, the way you work. You know, if you've ever seen Joe Stace work, Joe Stace's life has credibility just by the way he works. Mitch has credibility with the, I know he would because I know what he's like. When he's dealing with um, clients, contractors, staff, I think Mitch has immediate credibility. In fact, I've seen people come to church who are connected to Mitch because he has credibility. That His proximity with credibility is powerful. And so is yours and so is mine. And I think sometimes um, what happens, I'm only speaking for me now, I'm, I'm way past needing to build any more credibility to invite someone to come and see into my life. And is it perfect? No, of course not. But, but it's what God uses. A person might not say it like this, but you are a credible witness to the claims of Jesus. Your life up close speaks. That's a good thing, isn't it? Your life speaks to them. I love that idea. And, and God is using that credibility to get people's attention. God is using that credibility in ways we don't even know. My mum and dad separated when I was seven years old. Some of you would have heard me say the first part of this story. My dad used to say to my mum, uh, you're a terrible Christian. And she believed him. Years later, my dad would say to my mum, she wasn't going so well at the time, he said, what, what happened? You're the best Christian I ever knew. Her proximi- proximity created incredible credibility. You know, she was just listening to something other than the reality, wasn't she? That's all that happened. And, and you know, my mum forgave my dad. And to this day, my dad says, the one thing in his life that speaks louder than anything he can remember. And it's been a colourful life. I love my dad. The one thing that speaks louder is the moment in which my mum said to him, I forgive you. See, your life has way more credibility than you know. Anyone who's living for Jesus at some degree of change and transformation has a, wherever we have proximity, we have credibility, just like these guys did here. Uh, That's the second thought. Where do you have credibility with it you know the positivity i wrote here the work of joe stace the positivity of linnea barlow the generosity of people like mitch the integrity of a guy like david moore is he in india now so he's in india now where that's all unfolding how could you not 
respond to a come and see my life, come and see my church, come and see my Jesus from David Moore. Come and see your life, its proximity has credibility. Um, Well-lived proximity creates that. Here's the next thought. Proximity with credibility creates opportunity. 82%. Again, let's halve it and say it's 41%. Just open to an invitation. What an opportunity that is for us. Um, And so, you know, for for you and for me, uh, I think the big ticket here is it actually just needs bold moves that get easier over time. Just bold moves around that. And um, I don't know what we're going to do with this December, but it's an incredible opportunity for somebody. Um, Wherever we've built proximity and credibility in someone's life, it's an incredible opportunity for us. Um, And then uh, as we wrap this, you know, from there, once... Once come and see is extended to someone, it's on God, isn't it? Aren't you glad about that? God's able to overcome all my imperfections to draw people to himself. In fact, the other come and see that we were going to look at is the um, Samaritan woman. I mean, she goes and tells everyone. She had no credibility as far as we can see, but just went anyway because she was so changed. And so you and I have all sorts of opportunity into people's lives and to just step into that this Christmas. Come and see. It means come, think and examine. Just come and think. Come and, come and examine the claims of Jesus. That's, shouldn't every person have the opportunity to just come and examine? That's why we still run radio ads. I know that people go, why do you run radio ads? Are you trying to attract Christians? No, I'm trying to reach people we could never reach because we don't know. That's why we do it. It can reach further and go deeper than where we could ever go. Come and see means to come and be amazed at his grace, amazed at his teaching. You know, this December will open up his teaching, to be amazed at that, at his words, at his work, at his works. Come and see means even experiencing his church, you, me, in all of our imperfection. Come and experience, have you ever, it's amazing to me, you know, you and I, some of us have been around a while, we come into church and we move through it and we have to focus. It's amazing how many people new to church cry all the way through a service. How many times have I heard, I just cried for the first four weeks of church. So at the very least, we're going to give an introduction. But we might read, hello, Mayor Dorma. We might reach beyond that. That introduction could become just a spiritual moment for someone, couldn't it? A spiritual moment. Think about just Christmas Eve at the lookout for a moment. Brian and I were on our way back from... um, somewhere yesterday in the car and we stopped on the side of the road and looked up skyward it was late last night and I just like I hadn't seen the sky like that for a while I just went oh we both stood there in awe just in awe going oh wow God sometimes I forget how grand you are and we just stood there and stood there and then I thought I want to get home because I still got sermon to prep and we went people are going to gather on Christmas Eve because of your come and see invitation that is created by your proximity, your credibility, the opportunity to invite that God then takes and uses. God wastes nothing, hey, he just doesn't waste anything. He uses absolutely everything. He's drawing everyone. And somebody's going to be up there at that lookout um, on Christmas Eve and they're going to look skyward. And without a roof on the building painted black, they're going to look skyward and see the stars and be in awe of the one who we talk about people are going to be like that on that night they're going to hear the word of God preached and they're going to be impacted in their heart they're going to hear the songs of God 
sung and something's going to just explode in their spirit, be moved in their soul. Something like that's going to go on just by being in the presence of his church. That's the power of come and see. It's a, an invitation towards Jesus. It's a can be a spiritual moment and then it can be like these guys here who were completely transformed forever. They were never the same. They were changed for the rest of their days. It all just went on this catalyst moment. And so here as we close, I just want to point you to that. An invitation with the potential to change everything. In Jesus' name. That's in your hands. That's in my hands. Right in front of you. Right in front of me. Right now. We have within our grasp. But God, God is at work. He's going to come and see person in mind. And he's given you proximity credibility and the opportunity to do something that connects people to him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you just close your eyes, go ahead and close your eyes just for a moment and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. Many of us are the recipients of this very thing, an invitation from someone in proximity to us with credibility in our lives that turned into an opportunity with you. And I know, God, you're able to prompt people's hearts and minds. You're able to speak to our hearts and minds. And so today we just pray, God, we, we just want to be people who are open to you and the people in proximity that that you're drawing right now that we have an opportunity to say, come and see, into our home and see our life, into our church, whatever it is, Lord, that it is to see Jesus clearer. So we thank you. We pray for boldness. We pray for faith. We pray for courage. And we pray for the leading of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.